Yo, what's up, everybody? Episode 121 of the How on Infinity podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host, Jacob, and we got a great show lined up for you today, folks. On today's episode, I'm going to give you my first reactions to the Hawkeye show, my full reactions to the first season of Cowboy Bebop on Netflix, and then finally, after months and months of waiting, Demon Slayer Season 2 is finally out. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, yes, yes. That time of weekend, everybody. Episode 121 of the High on Infinity podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host, Jacob. First time listening to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, we're glad to have you back for another fantastic episode. Like always, follow us on our social media sites. Like us on Facebook at High on Infinity Podcast. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at High Affinity Pod, or follow me, the host, on my personal accounts, Twitter and Instagram at So Yeah I'm Asian. And if you didn't get all that, just hit the link tree link up in the bio of the podcast. As all our podcast social media sites and our podcast streaming platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. And last but not least, if you like what you hear, please. Leave your boy a five-star review on your preferred streaming platform. That would be greatly appreciated. So, hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving and a weekend after that, of course. Hope all of you got what you're looking for on Black Friday as well. I was able to snag me a few items over the course of Black Friday. Got a new video game. Got a couple pairs of pants on Old Navy as well. And I finished my Thanksgiving leftovers at a reasonable time. I'm always curious, like, what is the like how long are the leftovers supposed to last like for me it's only probably about i say two to three days because my grandma cooked she cooked wednesday night and then you know just reheated it thursday for thanksgiving so cooked it wednesday so that's thursday friday was done with it saturday so yeah i would say three days is probably the limit for me on thanksgiving leftovers so if you cook it wednesday gotta be gone by saturday Cook it Thursday, got to be gone by Sunday. If it gets to Monday, I say Monday is still passable. Once it gets to like Tuesday and Wednesday, no, you got you to throw them away or do something with it. But anyways, that's basically how my Thanksgiving weekend went. Eating, shopping, and spending time with family. So we're just going to dive into this week's episode because it's a good one. First up, last week, Marvel put out their fifth and final Disney Plus show of the year. Hawkeye, they blessed us with the first two episodes last Wednesday. Of course, I watched both of them, and I'm here to give you my first reactions to the Hawkeye show in general, give you my general thoughts overall on the first two episodes, then go over some of the details and more in-depth thoughts as we dive into each episode individually. Then give you some of my predictions on what may happen later on in the season. So, what are my general thoughts on the first two episodes of Hawkeye? I thought it was okay. Didn't knock my socks off or anything. Granted, there were some things I liked and there were some things interesting that were set up in the show. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. But there were some things plot-wise that just left me scratching my head. And we'll get into that later on as well too. The best thing about both episodes of Hawkeye was the chemistry between Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. Like their dynamic just worked so well together. Like Clint is the old timer that's dragged back into things, and Kate is like that 
eager youngster that wants to learn everything from Clint. And Marvel has done a great job with the co-star pairings in their Disney Plus shows this year. You have Wanda and Vision and WandaVision. You got Sam and Bucky and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Then you have Loki and Loki or Loki and Sylvie, whatever you want to call it. And Loki and now you got Clint, Kate and Hawkeye. But with the good comes the bad. And to me, the plot of Hawkeye just seems to be dragging so far with the first couple episodes. After episode two, I'm like, okay, so what are we doing here? Are we trying to do this or we're trying to do that? I don't know. But it's only two episodes out of six. So we got four episodes left. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we only got six episodes. Let's get the ball rolling here plot-wise. So we'll see how the rest of the season will play out. So diving into episode one titled Never Meet Your Heroes. I actually watched this episode twice. So the show starts off in the year 2012 in New York. We see a young Kate Bishop. By my math, she's probably about 10 years old at this time. And she's listening to her parents arguing about the family moving or not or whatever. Then a few minutes later, their home is smack dab in the middle of the Battle of New York in the first Avengers movie. Like they're building... Is collapsing, and we see Stark Tower just a few blocks away. Then we see Hawkeye saving Kate from a Chitauri attack, and then at that moment, Kate was inspired to be an archer. Then we found out that Kate's dad died during the attack. Assuming at least some debris fell on him, I think the mom really knows what happened to him, so she may have had a part in it, but I don't know. But my blinkers are up on her as the show goes on. Then we get something that's a first in a Marvel Disney Plus show to get an opening intro or like an opening credits intro. And we see why that doubles as a montage for Kate as well. It shows her learning like archery, karate, fencing, you know, progressively getting better in all three of those things. And we see her use those skills in the show as well. Now we get the present day. Kate is visiting home for winter break. She's like, a, I think she's a senior in college. Then she finds out that her mom is dating like another wealthy man named Jack. Blinkers are up on him as well. And all of them go to this like gala event. And in this episode, we follow Kate around the most. While in episode two, we follow Clint around more. And just to clarify, with Clint, I'm going to refer to him as Clint or Hawkeye until he passes it over to Kate. And Kate will just be called Kate until she takes up the mantle of Hawkeye. Just to make things a little easier. But when we see Clint... He's basically doing, you know, family man stuff. And what I got out of this episode is that he's trying to put Hawkeye behind him. While he just wants to be a family man and stay retired. And we see him even cringe on a couple of occasions where people recognize him or call him Hawkeye. Also, Clint is deaf in one ear. I like that little touch because it shows like the toll Hawkeye's had on him. Like he's beat the all hell by the time we see him in this show. All those damn explosions, especially the one in Endgame. Or basically a damn building fell on top of him. Also, I think in the comics that this show is based on, he was also deaf in one ear as well. So while Clint is being a family man, we see Kate at this gala. She finds out like her mom and Jack are engaged by learning it from Jack's uncle, Armand III, also a very rich man. And I think Armand hinted at Kingpin a couple of times in this episode as well because we see him and Kate's mom, Eleanor, arguing and he said something along the lines of, I know some very powerful people. So when people heard that, they thought he was talking about, um, what's that woman's name? Val. She was in the Black Widow post credit scene. And in Falcon and Winter Soldier, she made um, the other guy, I think John Walker, U.S. agent. 
or they could be talking about the power broker but we're in new york so it has to be kingpin right then we see them go to like this black market auction jack try to sit next to him he's like i'm saving the seat for someone else cool easter egg here as well the same location of this event is the same place that kingpin was staying in daredevil season three so kate follows armand to this black market auction and in this auction they are selling the ronin suit and sword because they found it in the remains of avengers compound so here is what had me scratching my head i was wondering why clint didn't destroy the suit and the sword after he was done being ronin except having it stashed away at avengers compound plot purposes i assume then the auction gets attacked by another villain group called the Tracksuit Mafia. They're looking for a watch that was at Avengers Compound, possibly Tony Stark's. So basically, Kate fights them off wearing the Ronin suit and a camera catches her. Then it makes the news and Clint sees it. Then Kate goes to Armand's house to investigate and finds him dead from an apparent sword slash. And while all hell was broken loose at the auction, we saw Jack taking Ronan's sword, so he's prime suspect number one. So now we have a murder mystery on our hands. Of course, Kate runs away and is attacked by the tracksuit mafia and was saved by Clint. Clint unmasked was about to punch her in the face and he was like, who the hell are you? Now on to episode two, titled Hide and Seek. I watched this episode again as well. A couple gripes about this episode, but I'll get into that. So this episode picks up right where episode one left off. Kate and Clint go back to her apartment. There, they're attacked by the tracksuit mafia. They start a fire, forcing the heroes to relocate, but leaving the Ronin suit behind. Clint then realizes that, hell, I'm fully back into this thing now. Let me say bye to my family and hope that I'm back for Christmas. Then we follow Clint around for the majority of this episode. He goes back to Kate's burnt-down apartment, walks under the police tape, disguises as a firefighter, and looks for the suit in her apartment and was unsuccessful. A few issues here for me. First, there was no police officer around the tape, you know, for crowd control, you know, making sure no one goes under the tape to the crime scene. Second, when Clinton had the firefighter suit on, he didn't have an air tank on. Like he's in a burned down building, so I assume that every firefighter was required to have one of those air tanks on before they go in, and no one stopped him. Lastly, if the Ronin suit was left behind in the burning building, wouldn't it be like severely burnt? Maybe it's made of a different material that can't burn. I don't know, but hey, plot purposes. Maybe I'm just being a little too nitpicky when it comes to those things, but those are all logical points I brought up, in my opinion. Now we get to the part where I fast forward during my rewatch. Clint finds out that the firefighter took the suit to like a LARPing event. Not going to bore you with all the details. Basically, Clint got the suit back. We move on to Kate now. During the time we follow her, she suspects jack her future stepdad to be armand's killer a couple red flags were brought up but i think jack is just being a red herring usually in a whodunit murder mystery the first suspect is usually not the person but we end the show with clint getting captured by the tracksuit mafia on purpose with the suit in hand kate tries to save him but is captured as well then we meet the leader of the tracksuit mafia echo and that is episode two of hawkeye like I said, the first two episodes was okay. Some interesting things were introduced and a few things that made me scratch my head as well. So what happens next? Well, the two plots for the season so far is one, Hawkeye with the help of Kate is trying to handle Ronan's past adversaries once and for all. And second, who killed Armand the third? A lot of suspects 
on that one. Jack is the prime suspect. Kingpin could probably put a hit out on him. Hell, maybe Yelena is probably out there, but that is probably the least likely answer. Or Kate's mom had a hand in his death. Like she probably has something to do with her husband's death as well. But I believe she's hiding some skeletons in her closet. So we'll find out soon, hopefully. Other predictions I have for the show. Yelena from Black Widow is on the cusp of showing up. That's more of a given. I'm curious what role she will play in the show when she do appear. My big prediction is Kingpin showing up. I believe he was hinted at in episode one. And I think he's the true leader of the tracksuit mafia. Even though Echo, like she's probably there. She's probably the second in command or something. Even though in the comics I read that Kingpin killed Echo's dad. But you already know Marvel Studios don't mind changing things up. But yeah, Kingpin will be making his MCU debut real soon. That's my take it to the bank prediction. So with episode one and two already out, we'll just see how the rest of the season will play out. And when the season is done, I'll hop back on the podcast and give you my full reaction to the first season of Hawkeye. couple weeks ago, Netflix put out the live action version of the very popular anime Cowboy Bebop. This had a lot of people talking, good and bad, leading up to it. Safe to say it was very, very divisive before and even after the show came out, especially that last episode. And we'll get into that a little later on as well. Like I said before, I went into the show with an open mind because a lot of people, to me, was going into this show Looking for a reason to hate it. More than likely, if you go into a show with a certain mindset, nine times out of ten, you're going to leave with that same mindset. Folks are going to the show, they're like, well, you know, they don't look like the folks from the anime. Granted, while that is true, when you adapt something, they're not going to look exactly like the original characters, especially if it's live action. Is the show perfect? No. Far from it. It's not touching the original with two 10-foot poles tied together. Or is there stuff in the show that made me go, eh, I don't know about that. Yes, and we're going to talk about that stuff as well. We're going to talk about it all on here. Characters, differences from the anime, likes, dislikes, the last episode, and what to expect in season two. But first, my general reactions to the live-action Cowboy Bebop. I thought it was okay. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't trash. It was okay. In today's world, especially on social media, when something gets released, whether it's like an album, song, movie, in this case, TV show, when it comes out, it's either amazing or if it's an album, classic, or trash. Nothing in between. Like, it's all right for something to be okay. But my opinion, they would have just tweaked a couple things, like the ending. I would probably bump this okay up to a good they did do some stuff I thought was interesting. They changed some stuff that logically made sense and other stuff that made me go, oh, so we're doing it that way now. So let's dive into some show details beforehand. First off, probably one of the biggest things they did right in this show was the music and the look of the show. And the music, fantastic. Of course, that's what you're going to get when you have the original composer from the show doing the music on this show as well. 
they kept the original theme song, but there was like two to three episodes where they started the theme off a little early to build up to it. And they had to edit it like a certain way or like in a weird way to make it flow with the rest of the intro. They nailed it one time, but the other two times I was like, what the hell are y'all doing? Also, it would have been cool if they would have added the same outro from the original as well. But when Netflix automatically started the next episode after, you know, the episode is over with, I can see why they didn't put the outro on the show as well. Another compliment to the show, like I said earlier, was the look of the show. It did feel like Cowboy Bebop when you watched it, in my opinion. Of course, in 2021, some of this stuff, like the outfits and the locations, look zany and over the top. But you got to remember, this is how the feature was depicted back in the late 90s. You know, like we was growing up in 2000 and we thought by 2021, we'll be having flying cars and stuff. But moving on, the CGI of the show looked great for the most part as well. Like the Bebop ship looked really good. When it was flying through space, it looked fantastic. Overall, the look and the music of this live action Cowboy Bebop gets a thumbs up for me. Now on to the characters. Without a doubt, the best character in this show was Jet Black. He was definitely the most accurate depiction of the original character in this show. He kept a lot of the same characteristics of the original character. Basically, the dad of the group, moral compass, all that other good stuff. Now on to Faye. I think... She did a good job for the most part. Granted, the look of the character was different from the original for obvious reasons, but that didn't hinder my judgment of the character. Faye did a lot of stuff in the show that I thought was like, yeah, I could see Faye doing that in the original. Also, there's a couple times where I was like, yeah, I don't think she would have said that in the original. Like in the last episode, <laughs> she said a line that made me cringe. I even replayed it to be like, did she really say that? And she said it again. I was like, yeah, I don't know about that line. Quick side note on Cowboy Bebop. I like that they were cussing in the show. Made it feel more modern. But back to Faye, out of the main crew, she probably had the most changes done to her character, in my opinion. And I'll explain some of it now. From the looks of it, in the live action show, Faye has always been a bounty hunter. While in the original show, she had a bounty on her. She tried to do bounties on her own, but normally it didn't go well. Usually ended up with Spike or Jet saving her. Also, in the original, Faye's character was mostly focused on her appearance to get what she wants. While in the live action show, Faye was more of a go-getter. While in the original, she wanted Spike and Jet to do all the work and she gets to share the bounty. They didn't bring up in the live action show her gambling addiction or multiple times where she left the group and took their money or whatever. Only time they really referenced that was when she took Spike's ship to find her ship. I think in episode 4, I want to say. Overall, I didn't mind the Faye changes. Also, they did mention a little bit of her backstory where she tries to find out about her past. I assume they'll dive into that more in season 2. Now we move on to the elephant in the room, Ed. They revealed her in the final episode at the very, very end. I think I predicted that Ed will show up in the show towards the end of season one or in season two. Now let's get to the character itself. If we're going just by characteristics, Ed was passable. Ed is loud, energetic, referred to herself in third person like The Rock. And who else? Who else refers to herself in third person? Yeah, The Rock and Terry Jeffers from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But anyways, the look of the character is what had everybody like, what the hell? 
from first impressions, because we only saw Ed for like a minute in the show, it just looked like a kid cosplaying as Ed. You could clearly tell they have a wig on. Like, what made Spike and Faye believable in the show to me was their look. Like, the actor that played Spike, he grew his hair out for the character. And the actress that played Faye dyed her hair purple to match Faye in the original. So maybe they would have got the actress playing Ed a better wig. Or just dye her hair orange to make the character more believable to me. But hey, maybe they'll fix it in season two. But now, onto the star of the show, Spike Spiegel. Appearance-wise, they nailed the Spike character for me. Probably my biggest gripe about the Spike character is that in some instances, I felt like they were trying a little too hard to make Spike look cool. Like in the original, Spike has like this natural swagger that makes him cool without even trying. Like he knows when to be cool and when not to be cool. But in the live action version, I felt like they try to make Spike cool the whole damn time. Like in the be not the beginning, but in the end of the season, we had this big climactic battle with Vicious. He's walking in like, yeah, I'm the cool guy. I got my hands in my pockets because I'm cool. I was like, come on, like you're forcing it on us now. Also, another gripe about the Spike character. When it came to the fight scenes with Spike, it looked to me like the fights were a little stagnant. Like it didn't flow, if you know what I mean. But it started to get better towards the end of the show, especially episode 9 and 10. But I was thinking about it as well. Maybe like his fighting style was supposed to mimic like those old school kung, kung fu movies as well. Because I think Spike was a big Bruce Lee fan or he studied the same, you know, karate technique Bruce Lee used. And I could see the influence, you know, where that influence came from. So for the most part, I think they did a good job on the main characters of the show. Hopefully they'll make some improvements on the Ed character. But for the rest of the characters, so far, so good. Now onto the differences from the anime. Here I'm just going to point out some of the major differences I saw during my watch of the show. And tell you my thoughts on those as well. Good and bad. First up, the villain, Vicious. I did not like the villain portrayal on the show. First off, he was in a live action show a lot more than he was in the original. Nothing wrong with that. Because in the original... We only saw him a handful of times. And during those times in the original, even in those short appearances, he was impactful. Like, you couldn't wait to see him on screen again. While I felt like Vicious in the live action show was a little lackluster. Like, he was just angry just for the sake of being angry because he's a villain. He did have a good moment where he killed the elders of the syndicate. Very cool fight scene. But besides that, every time Vicious was on the screen, I'm like... Uh, can we get past and get back to Spike and the crew? Also, in the live action show, they changed Spike's backstory as well. Or him and Spike's backstory as well. In the original, Spike and Vicious met in the syndicate. While in the live show, they knew each other since they were kids. Also, they changed some of Spike's backstory as well. Like in the original, we don't know Spike's real name. Even in his days in the syndicate, they referred to him as Spike. While on the live show, he went by the name Fearless when he was in the syndicate. Then when he faked his death, he changed his name to Spike. I don't have a problem with this, if I'm being honest with you. Logically, it made sense because when I assume when you fake your death, you're going to take up a new identity. Also, they changed Spike's quote-unquote death too. In both shows, Spike was done being in the syndicate. Also, in both shows, he had a plan to run away with Julia as well. 
And in both instances, Julia was caught by Vicious. In the anime, Vicious was like, hey, you're going to kill Spike. If you don't, I'm going to kill both of you. Julia didn't want to do that, so she went into hiding. Once Spike realized she wasn't going to be able to meet up, you know, in their meetup spot, he just left. While in the show, Vicious actually, quote unquote, killed Spike. I didn't have an issue with that change as well. Also, another weird change they made in the live action, Vicious and Julia was actually married. Yes, it was a toxic marriage, but they were married. Like in the original, it was hinted that they had a relationship, Vicious and Julia, but it was never really confirmed. But it was known that Spike and Julia was in love. Also, Julia appeared a lot more in the live action show than she did in the anime because in the anime... Besides flashbacks, the first time we see Julia is in the penultimate episode. Other changes from the original to the live action show. Jet has a kid in the Netflix show. And they changed his backstory as well. They did show his history being a cop. But in the original, he was tired of the corruption. So he left and became a bounty hunter. In the live action show, he was framed and put in jail. Losing his wife and kid in the process. And when he was released after five years, then he became a bounty hunter. Didn't have a problem with that as well. By the way, they were, you know, portraying their story. Also, in the show, Jet confronted Spike about his past in the syndicate. Something they never did in the original. That was a nice little touch. Also, Spike and Jet actually knew Ed before meeting her at the end. Ed was like an informant to them. They told him about, you know, bounties and stuff. While in the original, they knew nothing about Ed until the episode where they met her. They even showed the abilities of Ayn the dog in the show as well. In the original, Ayn was like in this research, or he was from this research facility. And in the live action show, we saw like what they did to the dogs while they were there. Standout episodes from this season. Episode 1 was good. Episode 1 was good. It was based on the first episode of the actual show. In that episode, they met Faye, which they do in episode 3 in the original. Both episode 8 and 9 were good too. Episode 8 was when Vicious hired the assassin to kill Spike. That was based on episode 20 of the original. Probably the closest episode depiction in this season. And I was a little biased because that episode in the anime is probably my favorite episode. Same killer, but instead of being hired by Vicious, Spike just came across him on a chance encounter. And episode 9 was actually an original episode for the live action show. It was a backstory on Spike and Vicious' time in the syndicate. They show Spike and Julia falling in love. A great action scene where Spike took down an entire enemy gang by himself. And we end the episode with Vicious quote unquote killing Spike. I thought this episode was great. I love me a good backstory episode. And now let's get to that final episode. This episode was good for the most part up until the end. This episode was based on episode 5 of the anime. Another great episode. Basically Spike and Vicious have... A final showdown in this church. In the original, the syndicate kidnapped Faye and Spike showed up to the rescue. In the live action show, Vicious kidnapped Jet's daughter. And when Faye rescued them, Spike went back for the final showdown, which was good for the most part. They had the same shot from the anime where it was Spike and Vicious at a standstill. So far, so good. And here's where things go in the opposite direction. In the anime, where Spike and Vicious are at a standstill, Spike shoots Vicious while Vicious stabs Spike simultaneously. Spike falls out a window, leaving a grenade as a parting gift, blowing up the church. In the live action show, after the simultaneous attacks, Julia out of nowhere shoots Vicious. 
seemingly about to kill him, she turns the gun on Spike and starts to victim blame him, asking why it took him so long to find her, claiming Spike never loved her and all that stuff. Then she completes the heel turn and shoots Spike, making him fall out the window, actually played the same song that they played in the original when Spike was falling out the window. Another great touch. Like I said, music in this show was fantastic. And yeah, back, back to what I was saying. I was like, what the hell just happened? Where did this come from? This came out of nowhere. Well, that shocked a lot of people because at first, I didn't finish the show and I saw on Twitter that the last episode was very divisive. And when I was watching the last episode go down, I was like, is Julia about to kill Vicious? If that happened... I really would have been like, what the hell? Like, how are you going to kill the main villain of the show? That just negates the final showdown of the original anime. But Vicious is still alive, so the final climactic battle between him and Spike should go down to end Season 2. Speaking of Season 2, what to expect? Season 2 will be interesting because now the Bebop crew is broken up. Spike, Ed, and Ayn are in a group judging by the end of Season 1. Jet kicks Spike off the Bebop ship. Forgetting his daughter kidnapped and whining about his past. Can't blame him. And Faye is off to find out who she really is. And Julia is technically the leader of the syndicate now. So we got a lot to look forward to in season two. Which should probably come out late 2022, early 2023. They cover quite a few episodes from the original anime in season one. Episodes I know we won't get now because the way they set up things in the live action show. We won't get the episode where how the crew met Ed because, you know, they already, they already knew her beforehand. We won't get the episode where Jet visits his ex-lover and her new lover has a bounty on his head. Was really looking forward to that episode, but hey, Jet already has a kid. But those are two episodes off the top of my head that I could think of. But we have some other episodes they haven't covered yet. The episode where Spike helped his guy steal a plant or who stole a plant to save his sister. That was a good episode, one of my favorites. Then the episode where the crew gets high on mushrooms. Then we have the episodes where Spike and Vicious have their second and final encounter. But wrapping things up, I thought the live action version of Cowboy Bebop was okay. Some things could have been done better. They also did some things I liked as well. Like the backstory episode of episode 9. And they went into some more details about some stuff that wasn't explained in the anime. So I gotta give them credit for that as well. Hopefully... They can improve on some things in Season 2 and deliver a great ending to the live action that will do the anime justice. We can't end this week's episode without talking about some anime because one of my favorite animes comes back for Season 2 this weekend, Demon Slayer. I talked about Demon Slayer a lot on this podcast from the movie being released in Japan, then coming to America, talked about them messing around with the season two release date. Then we finally got an announced date for season two. But now we're finally here. Demon Slayer season two, or how our fans are calling it, the real season two. Because Demon Slayer has been putting out quote unquote new episodes for the past couple months now. It's basically the Mugan train movie, but in episode form. So, some fans are confused on, are these episodes a part of Season 2? I read that they're not. And hopefully, that is the case. Because if Season 2 is 26 episodes, like Season 1 was, 
That means we're already seven episodes in, so we are only going to get 19 new episodes from Demon Slayer 2 in season two. Call me selfish, but I want a 26 pack of new episodes. But we won't really know how many episodes season two will get until later on, I assume. So we're gonna talk about what we know so far. We know season two will start off with the Entertainment District arc or the Red Light District arc as some fans are calling it. A fan favorite arc no matter what the name is. In this arc, we see our heroes accompanied by the Wind Hashira as they travel to the Entertainment District to investigate a string of disappearances among women in the city. Spoiler alert, it's a demon. And the Entertainment District arc is quite good. We see a lot of good fights. The storytelling is great. And we get some nice character moments along the way with the introductions of new characters. It's personally not my favorite arc. The next arc is actually my favorite arc, and I hope they cover it in season two, but I have done some reading, and it's projected that the Entertainment District arc will consist of 11 episodes because the average anime episode usually covers two to three chapters of the manga. Just depends on how much dialogue are in the chapters. Usually more dialogue, less chapters because you know they're talking a lot and more fights equal more chapters because they're not talking, they're fighting. So the Entertainment District arc is 30 chapters in the manga. So 30 chapters divided by three on your average for each episode equals out to 10 episodes. But Jacob, there's 11 episodes as you said earlier. It was already announced that episode one of season two will be an hour long because we still got a couple things to take care of from the Mugan train arc. So episode one should be just the aftermath of that. And at the end of episode two, or my bad, the end of episode one or episode two leading into it, we should get started on the Entertainment District arc. So if season two is 26 episodes and the first 11 is the Entertainment District arc, that means we got 15 episodes left. What are they going to cover? Well, I think they could fit two arcs in those 15 episodes. The arc after the Entertainment District arc is my favorite arc, the Swordsmith Village arc. So after the events of the Entertainment District arc, we see our hero Tanjiro, or Tanjiro, I'm sorry, go to the place where they make the Demon Slayer swords. And a lot of good stuff happened in that arc as well. A lot of great action and the storytelling in that arc is superb. And the Swordsmith Village arc is about 30 chapters as well. So you should be looking at about 10 episodes, which takes the season two episode count up to 21. So we got five left. And that is where we have the Hashira training arc. Basically, this arc leads up to the big final climactic battle that should take up all of season three, if we're being honest. But we will get to that at a later date and time. Anyways, Demon Slayer, the real season two, comes out this Sunday. Hopefully, this episode Sunday, like I said, will be the, the real start to the real season two. I know this is going to be a good season because it's Demon Slayer. And I may be back in a few months when the season is over. Just to recap and give you my thoughts on the latest season of Demon Slayer. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to give this podcast a listen. Thank you for all the likes, retweets, shares, subscribes, and any other way you support the podcast. It truly means a lot to me. Like I always say, I will not be here without you, the listener, and I thank you for that. So take care, be safe, and I will see y'all next time.